Let's turn to the word of God this morning. Turn me to first, with me to First Chronicles, please, chapter eleven. Never sort of works out the way you want to, you know. Sometimes, and especially when you're going to lead a meeting. So I said to Pastor Aaron this morning, "Okay, bring the people around the table, and then I want to get straight down into the Word of God." We don't really want any uh, long hold-ups or times around the table. So bring them around the table. Let's get down to the word. Um, I wanted to get the people away because we have a big night tonight and I want to get everybody home and have more time to get back again. He said, right, no problem. <laughs> didn't work out like that, sure, didn't Will you turn with me to First uh, Chronicles 11? Pardon me, First Chronicles 11. And let's just read a few verses. Verse 15. Now three of the thirty captains went down to the rock to David and to the cave of Adullam and the host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Raphaim. And David was then in the hold and the Philistines' garrison was then at Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. That is at the gate. And the three break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it. And brought it to David, and but David would not drink of it, but poured it out to the Lord. And said, God, my God, forbid it me that I should do this thing, that I, this thing shall I drink the blood of these men that have put their lives in jeopardy. For with the jeopardy of their lives they brought it. Wherefore, therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mightiest. Excuse my reading there. Let's pray. Father, take your word and scribe it on our hearts. Print it on our minds. Do what you will do. Thank you, Lord, that you're still on the throne over all things, small and great. Glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we ask it. Amen. So we're drinking well at the waters of Bethlehem. Last week was part one, this week's part two. We don't want to do a big recap, but what happened was the Philistines are in the valley of Raphaim, if you want. We call it the seat of the giants. Raphaim is where the giants were in the scriptures. And they're spread across the valley and up in the cave of Adullam is where David finds himself. David has been made king of Israel, but has moved north towards Bethlehem. And the garrison of the Philistines is now Bethlehem. Place Bethlehem. Beth, house, lechem, food, bread, so on. Bethlehem means house of bread or house of food. Notice this. We looked last week at how uh, when we come before God, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And we looked at many of those things. In fact, a lot of people were contacted me later and were saying how it encouraged them or helped them in some way both here and online. Notice, when we get to verse 17 of our reading, and David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. The word longed is the word ava. and can be used for good or for bad. David longed, it means to desire, to covet, 
to crave, to lust after. Covet, crave, and lust after, to desire. For example, will you turn with me to Psalm 106, please? Psalm 106, and just keep your Bible marked at 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 11. This will be more like a study this morning. Psalm 106, verses 14 and 15. This is Israel in the wilderness. It says, but they lusted. Notice, they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Now you marked us, they lusted exceedingly. The word lusted is the same word David longed. This is in a negative sense here, where they lusted or they ava. And exceedingly really just emphasizes the depths of their lust. Ta'ava is the word for exceeding. So ava ta'ava means a exceedingly lusted depth of lust. They lusted. Okay. Verse before it, they forget all God's done for them. They forget the works of God. They forget his blessings. They forget everything that he's uh, accomplished in their lives and as a nation. And now they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. Now the word wilderness is a word midbar. Midbar. And it simply means sparse land and it's fit for cattle finding a place to graze. So the, the shepherd or, or the, the herdsman would move across sparse land and find a grazing place. Psalm 23, it's the Lord who brings us to green pastures, place where the sheep would feed. In other words, he brings us there because there's place where, places where you get no feeding. There's no food. And here in the, the wilderness in Midbar, the place where there was sparsely places as Israel encamped, there they lusted exceedingly with a depth of a lust. And then it says, they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. The word tempted is a word nasah, and it means they doubted God's power. They doubted God's power. I think we're all guilty of that, aren't we? We doubt his power. Times of weakness, weariness. Times when we don't know what's happening next. Times when we are before him in prayer. And we're praying, but do we really believe in the one whom we're praying to? Do we really believe, do we doubt his power? And what we do is we are tempting him with unbelief. Israel tempted God They doubted his power. And listen, they doubted him being able to meet the need. His aid to them. Given his manna, that's all they needed. God meets the need. But he meets it in abundance where we're full. Whenever we, we want to look at the yielding of ourselves this morning. The yielding of our spirit before him. The yielding of our will unto his will. So they lusted, they lost it in the midbar, the wilderness, and they tempted God in the desert. The word desert is the word yeshamon. And it simply means waste place. So you think you're bad when you're in the wilderness, and you think it can't get any worse at times, don't you? Lord, surely this, 
that situation can't get any worse. This thing just surely cannot get any worse. You're in the wilderness. You're in the place then. You get little bits by the way. You see, you're in the midbar of your walk with him. And when you're in the midbar, you do get then that handfuls of purpose. And when you think it can't get any worse, you find yourself in the desert. Anybody ever been there? It gets worse. And it gets worse. And it's then at the most it's then mostly that we tend to tempt the Lord. You see, oh here's a wee bit by the way, and we're encouraged this day, and then we're discouraged the next week, and we're encouraged the following day, or something's happened that brings us on. But then when it gets to the place where you're in the desert, the Yeshimon, the barren land where there's nothing growing, nothing going, nothing happening for you. Is God really able to get me out of this? Is God really able? See, we're tempting him, we're tempting his power. In fact, is all this even real? This whole faith of mine, look where I am. I've went from bad to worse. Is it even real? We're tempting God can God even meet the need, bring the aid in at this point? Notice what it says in the next verse. The lost it exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Verse 15. And he gave them their request. He heard their prayer. In fact, the word tells us they murmured. You know what the difference is but with uh, asking God and questioning things and murmuring? Murmuring is when you get into a mindset with blinkers on and nothing will change your mind. Brought us up out of Egypt and he done this. We had leeks and we had melons. And they brought us into the wilderness and it got even worse. And I'm in this desert and God, where are you? You're never there. Hello? It's only me who does that. <laughs> Sound familiar? They murmured. Yeah. But they got to a place where nothing would change their mind. Nothing can help them out because they didn't want it. And you see, we can help by uh, as pastoring and, and, and as Christian with Christian, but unless the word is applied, there's things that we've been told and things we tell you that might help you. And unless that is applied, unless this word is applied to your life when you leave here and for tomorrow and the next day and the next time for your life, as it were, unless it's applied to our lives, it's good to say, well, that would encourage me. And it might do until they get home and get my dinner. And by the time we get Sunday afternoon dinner over, what happens? Forgotten about. It's forgotten about. But unless that is applied to the position, carried through, the condition, nothing will change. Nothing will change. Notice he gave them the request. You want more? I'll give you meat. And he sends them quail. Know what happened? They stuffed themselves that they were sick. It was coming out their ears, as we would say. Do you want what you want? Here, there's what you want. You know what they were doing? They were feeding their flesh with flesh. They weren't feeding themselves with manna from heaven, angels' food as it were. 
They weren't feeding with God's provision. And so what we can do is we can have God's word to our lives and we don't carry it out and carry it on. Or what we tend to do is we start to feed the flesh and rather than hold on to God's word and say, I'm believing you, I'm not tempting you anymore, I'm carrying on in this faith with you, I'm walking on with you, we start to feed the flesh. It brings forth death to us. Notice what happens to Israel And it says here in verse 15, and he gave them their request, but sent, what does it say? Leanness into their soul. Here's what one Hebrew scholar wrote, you ready? It means, it gives the idea of someone scantily dressed. Scantily dressed. Now we know what that means, don't we? You go down into the nearest town and stand outside. Don't, don't do it, but if you did, stand outside a nightclub. You'll see plenty scantily dressed. That's the idea of their soul by the time they were finished with their flesh. I'll give you what you want, but your soul will be scantily dressed. It means scantily dressed or even means to be diseased in the soul. Here's what I have written. Thank God he doesn't answer every prayer our way. (laughs) He didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted. And you praise him he didn't. You thank him he didn't. Thank God he doesn't answer your every prayer exactly how you'd like it, and when you'd like it. God's never early. God's never too late, but he's always. Doesn't seem like it's on time this morning, Pastor. What? He's always. You just haven't reached the time yet. You're maybe in the midbar, getting into the Yeshomon. You're in the wilderness, and you've maybe moved into the desert, or maybe you've just moved into the desert, and God says, you just need to wait to my timing. Many times in my life, brother, sister, many times in my life I can see the providential hand of the Lord, notice, bestowed on me or withheld from me. I thank God for that. There's many times I've made many mistakes in ministry, many mistakes in life, Many mistakes, even in marriage. But his providential hand is blessed or withheld. And I thank him that he has. Because if I I had got it high and when I wanted, I'd have made a mess of it. It wasn't the right timing and it wasn't the right thing for me. You see, James chapter 4 and verse 3, he says, Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. Why? That you may consume it upon your lusts. Sometimes we think the best. Look, our own hearts are thinking, look, I don't to tell this one or not. I was talking to a pastor during the week. And I was asking him about a certain man. And I'll be honest, this man and I used to disagree. He was an old, far older, but I respected him as being an elder. 
elder than me, that is. He wasn't an elder older than me. And he's well versed in the scriptures. We would have debated sometimes, just talk between ourselves. But we had a real friendship. And it sort of, when I moved down this way, it just got less and less. And, and I happened to ask about him the other day, phone the pastor and says, how is he? would like to catch up. He says, sure, he's dead and gone. No one told me. So I started talking about him and I was laughing about him. He's a character. And um, whenever we were talking, that he says, you know, one time we went out to pray for him. I'll call him Billy. His name isn't Billy, by the way. So I'll just call him. One time we went out to pray for Billy. He says, and I says, Mom, the Lord, we'll pray the Lord heals you, Billy. And he says, no, 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 don't do that. He says, why? He says, I'll knock up my DLA. Not shocking, isn't it? That's what he said. We, I, and we were laughing, but when you think about this, here's a man who God, who believes God will heal him and saying, Don't heal me, I want to get my DLA. He was a man in his 70s then, he was well retired, but this is what he's thinking. Can you see sometimes how oh, we heap it upon our own lost things that we, we think that we need and want? James reminds us, notice, of the power of prayer. You ready? The power of prayer, but he also reminds us of the self. The self in prayer. Brothers and sisters, whatever the outcome, I have a situation. You have situations. I've been through situations. You've been through situations. I have one I'm praying about at the minute for me, for my, for my life. I'm seeking God for it. Need God in it. But whatever the situation is and whatever the outcome is, whatever the outcome is, may you and I be like David in Psalm 119. And in verse 65 where he says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant. You see, in our flesh and to ourselves as human beings, we have that humanist tendency. Everything in the spirit is against humanism. And humanism is against everything of the spirit. And the humanist uh, and humanism says the chief end of being is the happiness of man. I'll say it again. The, uh, the chief end of being is the happiness of man. And that's in the church today. You know, and, 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 uh, please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to... Uh, Jesus does make me happy. But hap means by chance. I'm not happy just by chance. In the sense of happiness, it's the joy of the Lord which is not by chance, but by divine providence, knowing of sins forgiven. And humanists will say, well, your chief end is to make man happy. That there is no God, and we are the God of our own lives, as it were. And so we will die, go to the grave, and we'll rot in the ground, and kaput, that's it, over and done with. And there's no spirit of man, and there's no heaven, and there's no hell, and all of this sort of stuff. And, and it's a, to make oneself happy is humanism. And in the church we find it, and I don't mean it sounding wrong, but it's true. 
komm zu Jesus nicht und mir gehabe. Come to Jesus and everything will be fine. And here's your blessed, best life now. Come to Jesus. That's not true. That's not salvation. That's humanism in the church. The chief end of being is the happiness of man. But listen what Christianity, I'm talking about true, real followers of Christ, blood-washed, born-again, blood-bought believers will say man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Glorifying God is your chief end. Glorifying God is my chief end. And to enjoy him forever. The end of all being is the glorification of God. Why do you live? So as I can get X, Y, and Z. So I can get speedboat, speed racing car, and mansion. To glorify him. There's people with neither in them nor on them living in a little house where, they could, where you could hardly move in it, but yet they're rich in the spirit. There's a man watches us every week. You probably watch this and you'll know who it is. I'll not mention his name. I was speaking to him on Friday. He's from, I think it's Kansas he's from. In fact, I was here on Friday night and the band were just playing and it was a FaceTime. It's not what, FaceTime. I keep looking at Alson. It's not what you call it. So I go, and I answer it, and this man was from Kansas. You know what he says? And he said about tithing, he says, I tithe all my finances, yet I'm still struggling. He says, the Lord says he opened the windows of heaven, poured a blessing, and being honored for him to contain it. He says to me, what is wrong? I says, but what is the blessing God speaks of? So it's not sow a seed that we hear all the time, sow a dollar and you reap a thousand, you know. It's the blessings of the Lord that make us rich. And when he caught that, he went, you're right. You're right. Because when we sow in to get back, you know, if you want to win the lottery, you're going to have to buy a ticket. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the lottery, by the way. I'm not, I am not advocating you to the lottery. You have to be careful. Here's he's telling them to buy a lottery and get a ticket. But you know, you have, you have to buy a ticket. Is that right? And some people think that it's like doing the lottery. Lottery is when you tithe unto the Lord. That is, your tenth of your income is tithing unto the Lord. Well, then I'm going to be blessed. And you will be blessed in many ways. That doesn't mean to say he's going to multiply it to a million pounds for you. But I said to him, you're blessed. And he was. You see, sometimes we can look for it in material blessings. I says, but you, I says, and this man's, he knows who he is. He'll be watching this and he knows who he is. And he's, he's just in love with the Lord and he's filled with the Spirit. And he loves hearing, he says, I love it when you talk about the Holy Ghost. And I love it when I hear the things of the Spirit. And I love hearing all of these things about the predestination of God and the election of the saints. And he's all talking about all of these wonderful truths. I says, you're richer than the President of the United States. 
you're richer. So we can see the difference here. And David is looking, and he's looking for more of God. Now here's two things we can look at. Time's flying. Usually we're wrapping up. We'll go a wee bit longer since it's our anniversary. Is that all right today? <laughs> Look, go to Psalm 63, if you will, please. In verse 1, Psalm 63, verse 1. And David says this when he's in the wilderness. Okay? Thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Notice my soul, my flesh, he's saying, all of me wants all of you. Not just pieces and parts. Notice my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power. What do you want from me, David? Want another palace, David? Do you want riches? Do you want blessings? What do you want from me, David? I want to see thy power and thy glory. I want you, Lord. See, T, what do we want? This being our second anniversary morning, but what is it we want as an assembly and as a church? Is it, we, is it just this, this, we come together to see if we can build a bank account? God forbid. God forbid. And if the Lord blesses us, then the Lord will bless us, but God forbid. Is it for us to uh, try and fill every seat until we get full out the doors and have the bill bigger? If God does that, that's fine. But if he doesn't, that's fine. We want to see his power and his glory. We want him. I want him. Verse 3, because thy loving kindness is better than life. Can you say that this morning? He loves you and it's better than life itself. What do we live for? What do you live for? Well, I live to do well in my business or I live to do well in this other. And they're all good. That's okay. Don't live for it. Live for him. That his love for you is better than all of it. Notice, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Notice, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Here's what the difference is. is The desire of the heart of David here in a midbar, the wilderness. It is not for more of the food or for grass or for grazing or for any that he has. It's probably thought he's running from Absalom, his own son here. And his name for his own son. In the middle of it all, he says, I just need you. Lord, I need you. So, you can have a lean soul or a fat soul. Prosperous. First Chronicles 11 and 17 says, And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. Notice, oh, that one would give me. He longed for it. He craved for it. And verse 18 says, David would not drink of it, but poured it out to the Lord. Notice, David takes it. These three men risk their lives. Go and get the water. Bring it back. Give it to David. And he takes it like this. And these three men, you can imagine these three men here standing, risk their lives and said, Ken, 
where's your water? We went through the, the Philistine territory. We went the whole way across the plain where they're seated in the seat of giants of Raphael. We went right outside to that their well where their garrison is, right to their stronghold of the enemy. And look, we've brought you back because you really longed for it. Hold on a second. See, I was thirsty. I needed that. David didn't even do that. I'm not going to pour it out. Pour it out onto the Lord. Now, while this may seem a waste of water and effort, the face of danger, these three men risking their lives for this moment might seem reckless and and an action of ingratitude. It certainly did not mean that. I'll tell you why. I'm going to try and close in the next few minutes. Ready? I've enough here to do for another two or three meetings, but we're not going to do any more on this. You ready? One, David was showing that it wasn't his will and want but they give it on to God. See, brother, sister, that's what's wrong. You haven't given it on to God. That's why we can't get over things. That's why we can't deal with it. Give it to God. Secondly, David was not only dying to self in doing this, David was living an overcoming life. I'm going to overcome my desire. Everything I long for, I'm overcoming it. high, pouring it out onto the Lord. And thirdly, David was showing it as an act of worship. Did you know that that's an act of worship in the Bible? Write these down and you can read them when you go home. Genesis 35 and verse 14. Jacob comes and he sets up the pillar when he sees the Lord and he pours out the drink offering over the pillar. It's a sign of worship and pouring this out. In Exodus 30 and verse 9, it says, You shall offer no strange incense thereon. This is upon the altar, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering. Notice the Lord says, Neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. And the Lord was saying to him, See, at this point, don't you come here with that. So it's in the other sense, they were coming to pour an offering out onto the Lord. Read Jeremiah 44 when you go home. Jeremiah 44. There's loads of these. Jeremiah 44 uh, verses 18 and 19. Especially when they bake cakes to the Queen of Heaven. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? They were pouring out an offering onto the Queen of Heaven rather than the Lord. He said, you're giving her my worship. You know what the Pope said this week? That you now as a Roman, not you, but Roman Catholics can come and give their worship to Mary instead of the Lord Jesus. Just this week. Pouring out their offering onto her rather than him, rather than Christ. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. Paul writes, in a prison, ready to be decapitated, 2 Timothy 4 and 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. See the word offered? It means, it gives the idea of a, a drink offering. I'm going to die. I'm going to be poured out for the Lord. Psalm 22 and verse 14. Psalm of the cross. Ready? Psalm 22 verse 14. Now catch this. This is the spirit of prophecy. 
This is Christ himself speaking of the Son of God to come and hang on the cross. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my body. What is the spirit of prophecy saying here? Looking forward to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am poured out like water. When he hung on the cross, it was an offering of worship to the Father. It was an offering of everything that he had, pouring himself out. His very heart melting like wax. I poured out like water. So these three men, you know they've seen? They've seen an act of worship. We went, we nearly, we could have died for that, David. And you've done this and you've done that. No, no, no. They stood back and they realized, David, even though you're wanting, you're still worshiping. Make sense? That's why he did it. And even though our flesh cries, keep worshiping. Be willing for his will to swallow up your will. Everything that comes our way that's against the word of God or dragging us from away from the, the place of God or, or dragging us from our prayer or reading or, or whether it drags us from the house of God. Keep worshipping. Come out. Keep worshipping. Pour yourself out like water. I finish with this. Verse 19, David says, You ready? Verse 19. And David said, My God forbid it me that I should do this thing. My God forbid it me that I should do this thing. God's restraining influence holds man's dark and depraved heart from completely annihilating himself. There's restraining hands still in the Word. And it's a restraining hand of God. God forbid that I should do this. God forbids it that I should do this. There's things you would do and places you would go and things you would say and others you would try and all of these things in our life and you praise him but it doesn't work out the way you think. God forbid me that I had done that, that I had been there, that I had said that, but rather God forbid me that I should drink to my flesh. And I worshipped him instead. Worship him instead. William Gurnall, Puritan said, Peace of conscience is nothing but the echo of pardoning mercy. And you see, when we get to a place like that, we get a peace of conscience. God forbid you to go there. And you're not tempting him by saying, I'm in this midbar or this Yeshimon, this wilderness, this desert, and you forbid me from this and that and the other, and whether it be, whatever it may be. But everything that I desire, Lord, I want to overcome. I'm pouring it out onto you. And it's water that cannot be gathered up again. It's done and dusted. Would you do that today? Lord, let my life be poured out like that water from Bethlehem's well. Water that can't be gathered up again. I want to, it costs me. But in it all, to the glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ. His name. Would you do that this morning? May God bless his word to all of our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.
The idea was to get you away a bit earlier, but we'll sing a piece. What are we singing, Rebecca? Jesus at the centre of it all. We'll sing that, and then we'll let you get away home. And God willing, we'll see you. Can we get an early tonight, and we'll get set off uh, right on time. We'll receive the tithe and the offering, and the Lord bless you for your giving. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. Okay. Have a team up, please, Mo. Oh, yes. Hey, folks, see if you can. Uh, and it's, it's not open to just ladies, but ladies and gentlemen. If you can help Heather um, and be faithful to it, with even just with the kitchen, she would uh, let you know what she needs. Not just today, now I'm talking about for other. And the more we get, the more people... Uh, there will be to be able to release some of the work because Heather uh, uh, has been really busy with the work and we really appreciate that, Heather. But she really does need help. And if anybody can say, you know what, I could serve or help her. Heather could tell you what, you, what it is. I could, you know, she'll put you on a rota. It might even be even once only every eight weeks or so. Is that right, Heather, something like that? Once every eight weeks. So if you can help, please, please go see her and say, I can help. And uh, she'll let you know what is needed. We really, we really greatly appreciate it. And the Lord bless you. Let's sing. We'll go through. see the offering and then we'll let you get away home. <laughs>